This is Graphic Policy Radio, the show that mixes comics, geekdom, and politics. Um, I'm Brett, your host, and hopefully Alana will be joining me. Otherwise, this is going to be a very short and odd episode. So tonight, uh, we are going to talk uh, all-new X-Factor, and um, t- oh, here she is, hopefully, and uh, Otakon. So it's a little bit of a hodgepodge mixed episode. Alana, are you there? Yep, I'm here, thanks. <laughs> How you doing? Um, so yeah, so uh, we, I said we were kind of doing a little hodgepodge luck episode of a whole bunch of uh, crazy odd topics. Um, so first, we let's, let's go with the comics aspect of it. Um, we want to talk a little, a couple series. Uh, you had mentioned X Factor. You want to discuss? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I am. Um... What do you think of the series? I and mean, we both really liked the um, previous carnival of it and about issues in or something like that. Um, I'm sorry, you're breaking up right now. Weird. What am I breaking up? I, I can you know. Better? Better? Um, yeah. Um. Me? Not? Yes, this is good. Thank you. Okay, cool. Cross my finger that stays. That stays. Uh, so we like the uh, X Factor. Uh, what uh, new volume about or stuff? I'm I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. God. All right, let me try calling in with a different. different... Hold on. A second. Sorry, guys. Thanks for bearing with us. Um, we have a big fall set up, including some exciting guest episodes in Comic Con coming in soon as well. Um, someday we will have the equipment oh. we need. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I believe it's internet connection. So let me uh, let me fiddle with some stuff really quick. Oh, um, can you hear me? I can hear you, so you go uh, rock it out. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, actually, I'm only through episode episode, issue 11 right now. I didn't realize I was actually behind the spell. So I apologize in advance, but I know this is a series that a lot of people have been interested in, and we like Peter David's work, of course. Um, It's it's definitely different than the older X Factor book. Um, he's always been super good at being soap opera y, and this is actually less soap opera y than normal. Um, I'd probably like it to be slightly more soap opera y than it is, but <laughs> the story he's telling, which is, you know, some of the classic characters from X Factor, including Quicksilver and Polaris, along with um, from the New Mutants, Doug Ramsey and Warlock. Danger, who's the former Danger Room, comes to life, and Gambit um, are the new X Factor team. They are employed by a allegedly benevolent corporation, and they are employed by them to help people. Um, they're, they also do work for the company, but um, he always shows it as being positive work for the company. Uh, you know, obviously. With my politics, I was very skeptical about a series 
that um, makes it seem like corporations are only here to help you. Uh, and the good news is Peter David, of course, is, Chris, Chris, uh, is not someone who buys into that either. Um, so it's clear that there's more than meets the eye going on here um, in terms of the company's relationship with the superhero team and the owner. So um, that's, that's been there the whole time. Um, and it's definitely the kind of story I can tell is going to be ongoing. We don't know yet what it all means, and I think it will be a slow burn. I don't know if it will end up being something where it's like Henry Bendix, you know, was for Stormwatch, where it turns out the guy running everything was crazy and mad and evil. I don't know if it will be something that extreme, but definitely something um, in the future will show us what's really behind us all. And on I'm back. Where, Hopefully, is this better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tried to summarize. Yes, yeah, I was listening. I can hear you fine. And I'm thinking it might be internet connection. We could play a little uh, trying to fix fix it all, but uh, according to Skype, the uh, connection is slow, which is a bit weird because nothing else is running. So It must be um, all the mutant psychic interface. Yeah. Your signal. Does it, does it sound better? Yes. Okay. We'll go with this for now uh, and figure out later. Uh, rather odd. Um, so what do, you, what do you think of the, the new volume so far, especially compared to the previous volume? I kind of miss it. Well, near the end of the previous volume, the previous volume, volume was kind of dragging on for me and lost direction, I thought. I stopped reading it near the end. Um, it's the kind of thing where I would have kept reading if there weren't so many other things I liked more that I wanted to spend money on, you know? It was never bad. It just wasn't as good as it had been at its height. Um, so I was, I thought it was interesting that, that, you know, after this run on X-Factor, I mean, Peter Davis' run on X-Factor before was just huge, long, years and years and years. Then he's back on the title, but he's doing it in a, a very different storyline, you know, it's not a detective agency, it's where they've got all the money in the world now because they're working for this new business leader um, who hires them as their private superhero team. So, it, and the, the cast is largely different as well. So, it, uh, it all feels like a very different comic. Um, you know, definitely, like, the only people who really continue to be there are Polaris and Quicksilver, both of whom were not constantly in his last run anyway. They just were frequently there. So um, I, I guess apparently Jamie Maddox, Maddox and Layla Miller, who it still bothers me that she's not a 12-year-old, um, are like trying to get like, a go of it living in the country, being normal or something. Um, so I miss them, but I also understand that, that that kind of was playing its course there. Um, but, yeah, you know, I definitely think that this is like a slow burn thing where we're going to figure out eventually what this whole Saris and Snow thing means and that it's certainly more than meets the eye and that we're not expected to just buy that this guy is being completely benevolent. We've already seen instances of him doing things that seem like he's using them for his corporate benefit rather than for the public benefit. Um, you know, versus his competitors, really. But I think it's just the beginning. 
did you read Stormwatch? I don't know if you heard like, me saying that, like, I think, you know, I don't know if this is going to be full-on, like, a Stormwatch, where it turns out the head of Stormwatch is crazy and evil. But there's definitely something going on there. Yeah, no, I never uh, read Stormwatch. Um, I was going to reference and say that it kind of reminds me a little bit of, I think it was, like, the third volume of Wildcats, which also was mm. about, um, like, a benevolent corporation. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there was kind of some matches on that. Like, I I myself am trying to figure out what... There's obviously a twist. There's something about Cer- what, Cerval or Cer- Cerval. Um, Cerval, like company. a Cerval cat. Yeah. Like a Cerval cat yeah. of the desert. There's clearly something about the company. I can't figure out what it is yet. Well, things a few interesting things about Cerval cats is that they look a great deal, like domestic house cats. They do not make good pets. Right. I don't know if that might have something, if that might be a metaphor, or if it has to do with serval, like service. You know, we're giving you service. We are here to give you service, but that's not really what it's all about. I don't know. But I was thinking about that as serval cat as a metaphor. You know, it looks like a house cat, but it's not a house cat. Yeah. And there's probably, there's got to be something to it, right? Yeah. Let me think about that as a metaphor, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he, like, he picked the, that particular logo and cat for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, 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 it wasn't chosen just randomly. There, there is a reason. There is some meaning for it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it is. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like, I haven't quite figured out if, if he really is going to play off that this is just a benevolent corporation and leave it at that. Like, I feel like there's got to be a twist at some point. Yeah, there has to. It's Peter David. He's not an idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and but I, I think it would be the kind of thing... In my, I bet you this is something that's going to come out in issue... Oh, my gosh, we're on issue 11 already, aren't we? Yeah, it's up there. I was going to say it should be issue 12 because it'll be like after the, at the end of the first year, at the end of the first season. But that's clearly not the case. Clearly not the case. So then I'm not sure when that will come out to fruition. Well, so the, the thing that's kind of standing out to me over the last few issues, they brought, down, brought back the Magus in a weird, weird twist. And he's winding up running, like, another corporation. Uh-huh. So, and, and they're kind of playing that off, like, oh, you know, he's not totally evil. He's just this other corporate thing, even though he's this giant alien that used to try to crush mankind sort of stuff. And yeah, I feel like there's, the like, there's something there. I actually did not know that much about the Magus. I've, I'm not super knowledgeable about New Mutants. I've always been an X-Factor reader, but not as much New Mutants. I, say, I actually have a full run of New Mutants somewhere. I've never read it. I picked what? it up. I picked it up. Yeah, I picked it up, like, way, way back in the day um, and have a, a run of one to, I think it was 100 that it ended with, with all the annuals, everything, and I've never cracked it open. Hmm. People uh, love it. You know, I mean, my brother has been going through, my brother is on the road uh, all the time, and he has a Marvel Unlimited subscription, so he's been reading every classic run on everything. And he has actually been a pretty strong critic of a lot of the classics, 80s titles actually doesn't think they're well written um, I think sometimes the concepts are good but the execution is poor I'm curious yeah, if, I, you, if you've had a chance to look at that run yet 
Actually, I do find that they don't quite hold up uh, like we remember them. Well, you know, it's just funny. I was just talking about this the other day. Uh, I reread much of Spider-Man Maximum Carnage just a couple of years ago. And my thoughts on it were that the storyline is great and the dialogue is terrible. Um, and I think that that is often the case with some of these classic comics. The con- and the reason why they're around people remember them fondly, right, is we remember the story like, oh, this happened and then that happened and this happened and that was really interesting and it really, you know, was a cool plot and story, but you don't, then you don't remember, like, the dialogue. And I'm not sure because I think it's the dialogue. The dialogue is infantile. They don't write the way humans speak often. And um, it's clearly intended for a younger audience. Um, I don't know. That was, but, but, but reading, but rereading the reading Mike McCarnage again definitely was like this is a great story. I almost wonder if like it would benefit from like maybe someone doing a new stab at it. I don't know. Um, I don't want to finish like an ultimate comics version of it. Maybe if, maybe a movie like not the one that was made, but uh, a different movie with the story could serve it well. I don't know because this, the, the the plot was so really interesting. It even touches on some some issues and real world things that matter. But when you actually read what the what the people are saying, it's pretty infantile. Yeah, I mean that's what I kinda remember too, is like the stories were way better than the actual execution of the stories. Like the the writing itself was pretty bad. So I mean from like this is what I went back to read of the very few things. Like my memory of them were was much better than what it actually was. Uh, and for pretty much everything I've read, it was like the the dialogue itself was kind of blah, and then the story was as cool as I remember. Um, it's been interesting to go back. I've kind of always wanted to go back and like really go through my collection and reread stuff, but let's face facts, I've got way too much to read, so I don't have time. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so with X Factor, getting back to X Factor. Although actually, a lot yeah. of his old X Factor stuff, I think, holds up. I mean, the last volume. No, I mean, of course, the last volume. It's new. We're not talking about new comics. I'm talking about like Peter David X Factor shit from when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm trying to remember like what he was writing back then. He was writing Polaris, you know, Quicksilver, Alex Summers, Rain Sinclair, everybody being brooding, having mutant angst, and soap opera stuff. And Jamie mm-hmm. Madrox, a completely different Jamie Madrox back then, really. Um, yeah. And Guido. It's, his stuff holds up way better than most. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's see if I can find a bibliography. See, I'm trying to... It's funny. It's like when I was reading a lot of the earlier stuff, I never paid attention to who wrote what for the most part. I just liked the characters and like that was that. So I'm sure there was stuff that 
he was writing that I'm not even aware of way back in the day. So let me pull up and see if this He wrote it during the Legacy Virus when Jamie Madrex died. Like, that was all his stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was reading it back then. Is it, you think that still holds up? I really got to go. I probably should go back yeah. and, and check it out. Yeah. It's not something I would give to somebody who was like, I don't think comics are good. Like, it's not something, you know, it's it's for something, I, it's for comics, right? Like, there's certain things that you have to be comfortable with the genre in order for it to not make you win, right? But it's still really good. It holds up much better than all the things from that time period. Especially that time period. That time period was so bad, you know. But he was still writing stuff that was interesting, believable characters. Like, really believable characters. Um, and smart stories. I don't have to go check it out. Yeah, I mean, like, I remember the whole Madrix and Legacy Virus and all that stuff was really good. Um, it'd be interesting to go back and, and check it out. I'd have to find it first. That would be the, the first issue. That's, the, that's some of the only old stuff that I have, really. Yeah. I don't, you don't even want to know how much stuff I have. I think last I counted, it was 30 long boxes. Yeah. Well, you know, his, his was my favorite, actually. X-Factor, like, it was like my favorite comic when I was in junior high. Was it junior high, maybe early high school? But you know what I mean, when I was a teenager, pre-college, um, you know, before I discovered Sandman and stuff, basically. Yeah, before I discovered, like, Sandman, X-Factor was my favorite comic. Hmm. I do remember liking it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, when, the, when the whole Havoc and Polaris and all them took over, that was when I really got into X-Factor. Yeah, exactly. To begin with. I was just an X-Men fan to begin with. I preferred X-Factor to X-Men back then because I enjoyed the characters more. And what I didn't realize at the time was I also enjoyed the writing more. Interesting. Yeah, I, I really don't remember which I liked better. I think from what I remember, it was generally I liked, there was a lot of stuff I liked about X Factor. I do remember like the art being hit and miss. Oh, dude, all the artists hit and miss and all that shit. <laughs> Everything, even Sandman, like all the art in all the comics from the 90s is hit and miss. But that's true too now. I mean, oh God, though, actually, looking back at Back to the Carnage, that is an unevenly drawn book. There were a couple artists who were so bad, I would just, like, when I pull out the trade paperback and just show the page to Frank and be like, look, look at this. This was published. But then there'd be other pages that were quite lovely. Um, so, I mean, in none of them did Mary Jane have a physique which was possible to exist without someone breaking in half, but at least in some of them, the line work was good. But in others, it was just like, wow, this was not, this was, this, somebody was on a deadline. You know, somebody was on a bad deadline. Uh, so back with the serval, the, the current X Factor. Do you uh, do you think there was there is like got to be something more into the whole like Magus running a corporation versus serval serval running their corporation, right? Yes. Mhm. I mean, there's clear, there's got to be. I mean, he wouldn't have that tidbit or that storyline without it going somewhere. And it seems a little bit too like, hey, we're going to reintroduce Warlock into the the X universe 
like it, it's just too much of an excuse to do that. That and he's too good of a writer to not be doing more. Yep, I agree. I I seriously have no idea like what's going on. I mean, the, so the thing that I actually like really like about the new X Factor is the, all the interpersonal stuff going on. Um, especially uh-huh. with Gambit's latest screw up, which I don't want to give away for folks, where I was like dying. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very soap opera. He writes Gambit and, really well. He writes Gambit really well. And I don't remember actually I've read, I've read him writing Gambit before. That's a good question. Uh, I'm not like a huge Gambit person who's read, I never really read much of his miniseries or. You know, I liked what Marjorie Lou did, but I didn't even read a lot of it. I just liked what I did read. But I definitely like Peter David on Gambit. It's good. And Peter David, I wrote the best, has always written the best Quicksilver. Um, and I don't like Quicksilver as a villain. Quicksilver is much better as an asshole superhero. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah I think that's completely definitive. Like, yes, period, fact. <laughs> um and it's a complete, like, Quicksilver to me, and, and I think David, he has it down perfect, is there's just this slight arrogance underneath it, but it's not overt. Like, it's there, and it's quite apparent that it's there. Um, but it's not, like, that's not his one defining factor, and that he's always kind of got this weird one foot in superherodom and one foot in doing whatever he wants to do uh, for his own machinations. Um well, yeah, but I'll never forget the issue that Peter David did of X Factor when they all go to see Doc Samson for therapy. And Pietro explains, you know, he's saying, everybody goes jokes around about PMS, Pietro Maximoff system, but you know that feeling when you're waiting in line at the ATM and the person in front of you using the ATM does not understand how to work an ATM. And the entire time you're just sitting there watching them fumble and you want to say something and you want to help, but you're not supposed to, because you're not supposed to like, be looking over their shoulder. My entire life is like that. Everyone is slower than me, and they're doing it wrong. And I was just like, oh, God, that's so dead on. And as a teenager yeah. who was much too, too smart for my own good and frustrated with all the stupid kid stuff you're forced to do that you don't want to have to do because you think you're beyond it, that really resonated for me. Um, I mean, I, I can still freaking quote that, you know, so many years <laughs> later. Yeah, that pretty much sums up the character perfectly. You know, it's not his fault. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, like if every single buddy, if every, the entire world is operating on a different, you know, frequency than he is. And, you know, somebody was like, oh, I didn't know. He's like, actually, in the episode, he's like working at some like little sculptures and, Chances like, oh, I didn't know you did sculpture. He's like, yeah, I just taught myself, so, you know. Because <laughs> you can do anything if you have super speed. That's always been one of my favorite powers, by the way. I always thought that was one of the ones I would most be interested in, the super speed. Um, but yeah, I know, and I think that he's written really well in this comic. I like that they have multiple narrators for the book. I think that's yes. worked well. I don't always intuitively know which color is for which person, but I can always tell by the voice, who it is. Um, I like the idea of there being a romance between, I mean, I like that, I like that, that Warlock has a crush on Danger. 
Yeah, that's a little, not, yeah, that 20 and then Danger may or may not be into Gambit. Yeah, no, game, Danger is definitely into Gambit, as much as a robot can be. Warlock <laughs> is definitely, I'm like, she's, I love, oh my God, when she calls out Warlock for not speaking English properly after all of these years, it's kind of amazing. Um, and it has to be done in a, you know, in a team with two robots, and one of them speaks the way humans do, and the other has this specific sort of stylized way of speech. It's, you know, you had to say it. Someone had to say it. So, uh, But I, I actually also feel like the relationship with, between, and this is something which is clearly in the, in the book, between um, Warlock and Doug, it sort of feels like Warlock is this, like, ex-boyfriend who, like, never quite gave you up and hasn't given it up yet, you know? And that it seems like Warlock is, like, the overly attached... It's like Doug's overly attached ex-boyfriend or something like that. Who, you know... Doug would like to just be friends with maybe, but the ex is, like, a little bit too eager. Do you get that feeling in their dynamic... At all. I mean, also, Doug is going through some shit. Like, Doug is dealing with some depression. Yes. But I... But uh, I also get the feeling like he's being sort of friends I always thought Doug and Warlock had a weird relationship. Where I, I always thought it was very um, romantic without it being romantic. It's the best way of putting yeah, it. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's weird where you want to just sit there and be like, will you two just sleep with each other and just get it over with type of thing? Um, even though that would be really weird in this situation. But, yeah, there is always... Well, no, but, it, but really... it's not that kind of romantic, though. It's, like, romantic, but it's, like, it's it's not, like, a love romance. I don't know. It's not a love. It's not, like, a... I can't explain it. It's it's not... I, I don't... I mean, like, it's not, like, a sex romantic thing. It's, like... Yeah. I... Mm, Sorry, I'm not explaining this very well. I'm going to have to get back and, and come up with some better terminology for expressing <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call it bromance because it's not a bromance. It's a bromance, yeah. But it, it definitely yeah. feels like it's, you know, a one-sided thing right now. I don't know why. Do you? Uh, I don't know. See, that's it. I was reading, like, the, the latest version of New Mutants, whatever, last year or two years ago, whenever it was last happened. I don't remember what the hell happened with Doug and Warlock and all that. Like, they're two characters I've never really liked. So I mm-hmm. kind of just try to not remember them. The less space in my <laughs> brain they take up, the better. I mean, there's a lot of cool things they could, they could be doing with Doug. He's got a really interesting power set, unique, and has a lot of bearing on the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I, I'm crossing my fingers to see that, it, it, like, hoping that Peter David will make me care about these two characters. I mean, there's been two characters that I've never really dug a whole lot. Hmm. Well, they were also characters who were introduced as children, right? And they're adults now. And those changes, you know, how are they there and how are they not there? Like, where where are they characters in the world to grow and become more adults and where are they kind of been stuck in time? Yeah, I mean, I guess they're in their, like, early 20s. Is that about right? I don't know. Mid-20s, maybe? I give up. 
<laughs> I mean, whatever it is, you need to get to a writer. I have no idea. I really don't know how how old they're supposed to be. I mean, they're like teenagers during the first New Mutants run. I thought like young young teens, and it seems like they're in their twenties now. But I I really have no idea. I lost track. I mean, it's been figuring it, out superhero ages is not even worth trying to. No, no, I'm pretty sure there's been college dissertations trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's like the famous attempt to do the chronology for Conan the Barbarian's life that no one can ever really figure out. Because the stories weren't published in order of his life at all. But anyway, getting back to the book at hand. Oh. <coughs> Sorry. Um, in terms of the art, I think the art has been fun and unique and quirky. Certainly continues that theme we've pointed out that um, the all new level now books all have distinct art, not house style. You should have look. The look on this book reminds me a little bit of Eon Flux, but less fetishy. Yes, uh, especially the way Polaris is drawn. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody has yeah, very they're... long, narrow ways. It's long, good. Like, uh, the style, I wouldn't say, is like my favorite of styles, but it is... No. It is better than X Factor's probably had in a long time, so I'm good with it. Yeah. Um, and it's something new and it's interesting. You know. And I think it fits the book well. I love the covers with a quote from inside on each one. I think that that's really witty. I like the quotes they choose. They're good teasers. The covers are great. Yes. I, like I, I love the cover styles. I mean, the book has a, such a unique look to it that it really does make you feel like it's outside of the X universe and you just read it on its own. And you can, and that's good, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I would actually say, I, I think out of all the X books that are out right now, this one's probably the most overlooked by folks. Hmm. That really deserves, sure like, a good look. It's, it's like- a good look for, them and, and for people to check it out and try to read it. Like, it, uh, it is... It's good. Like it, uh, I'll admit the last volume was kind of just puttering for a while, um, especially the when they got into the whole like Rain Sinclair and God things and her kid and demons and all that weirdness. Um, it was interesting. It was new, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. it just to me wasn't X Factor. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. X Factor is so, always just about those characters. As long as those characters are in something, then it's called soap opera. It's X Factor. Yeah, but even that stuff, it wasn't, like, the soap opera aspect was, was kind of put to the shelves for more super heroic stuff. Um, a lot of them writing, uh, running and fighting folks, so I, I wasn't digging it as much. Like, I would try to whip through issues as quick as possible just because I wasn't enjoying it. Um, this, though, I, I really like. I think there's, there's something to it that's just clicking, and it's clicking really well. Um, with the art and the writing and kind of the new twist to it. Um, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of the uh, when Havoc took over and they're government agents, but now they're agents of a corporation. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a very similar vibe that's to that. I, remember. I mean, to me, that's, to me, the classic, the classic um, X-Factor is Havoc running it and they work for the government. Like, I thought well, that was their shit, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, but that's yeah, when I started reading X Factor. I, I kind of was like towards the end of the original run, and then I guess that would have been the second volume is when I really started. So, we like the book. It's fun. Yes. Interesting. Give, give it a shot. For folks out there, X Factor, well, worth, worth checking out and, uh, and reading. It's something that's a little bit different. And um, reminding yourself of how awesome his old stuff was as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, so, what are the other news. books that you're reading, by the way? What's that? What are the other X books you're reading? Because I'm not reading any. Um, all new X-Men I'm still reading, and I've been enjoying it. Um, I'm trying to remember. And other than that, like, the rest of them, to me, is kind of, they're just kind of, they're there, and I'm not, they don't blow me away at all. Like, I've checked out X-Factor, or not X-Factor, X-Force. Um, the X-Men isn't really anything spectacular. Um, as a whole, like, I think the X-Line is kind of, it's just not as good as it used to be. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is. Hmm. Hmm. Clearly what it's missing is an awesome teen book. Actually, I don't they have a teen book now. I haven't read it yet. Which Which one? P-E-E-N. I was making a joke about how much I miss Generation Hope. But then oh, I realized uh, they actually they do have a teen book and all that thing. Yeah. I the the actually the Uncanny uh, Uncanny X Men is really good. And the one that actually surprises me that I've really been enjoying is the Magneto book. Oh, I missed to read that, but then I didn't. Yeah, so the Magneto it. ones it's interesting in that it really is it's focusing on him and kind of his experiences and how it's ref- how it's molded him, I think, really well. Like, when they first announced it, I was going to be like, all this is going to be is him reflecting on the Holocaust, and it's going to be a one-note thing. Um, but the way they're doing it, I think, is it's much better than I expected, and um, I, I dig the art. Like, I, I really kind of like the way it's, it's presented and the look of it, and um, it's good. Like, it's, it's worth checking out, especially, I don't know if the first trade's out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Is like the when it comes to the X-Line, like half of them I could just do away with and not miss at all, and half of them I like. So um, it's very hit and miss. What about the Storm book? Is that started oh. now? You're reading it? Yes. So it's, I forgot about it. I totally forgot about that one. So it's only been one issue. The first issue, if you can find it, Absolutely get it. It's it's beyond fantastic. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, like you can pick up it. the I first issue and just read that and not have to know anything. Um, for longtime fans, I think it really kind of nails who she is and really reintroduces her uh, in a lot of ways and just cements like what drives her and her thoughts and kind of what's going on in her head. Um, as a whole, like the art's beautiful. It's it's fantastic. I mean, uh, Greg Pak is the writer, and it's not shocking that the guy's talented. Um, so I, I think the second issue isn't out yet. It should be out probably next week or the week after. But uh, it's solid. Like, it's really, really good. Great. Thank Again, you. I, I, it's another, I would say it's another example of, uh, of Marvel's female-led books have been amazing. They know what they're doing. 
Yes. Yes, they do. So, yeah, so the the other topic... One final thought on X Factor. What's that? Um, I was just thinking about, because, you know, people just found out about how um, Robin Williams had committed suicide and how awful awful that is and um, reminded me also just how much the comic has talked about depression, characters' struggles with depression in all of the books that he's in all the X Factor ones. Yeah, that's been actually an ongoing theme of all X Factor, hasn't it? I mean, Jamie was going through it for quite a while, and I mean, obviously Doug is going through it um, for the few issues that he's been in it, uh, dealing with it. So, yeah, it really has bipolar, been it, like, a, like right. I mean, it's a bit obvious, but she is. And they're all written sympathetically, you know. And I'm trying to think, like, is that old volume? There was like a little bit of dealing with with depression and all that in the original volume, wasn't there? I'm sorry. So wasn't there like some depression in the, like the original in that the original volume, the second volume with Havoc as a team leader? For some reason, it sticks in my head that even then, back then, it was dealt with. Yeah, definitely, it was. Interesting. I wonder if this is just an ongoing topic Peter David likes talking about. Yeah. Fantastic. Hmm. That, that could be a well, that could be another whole other thesis that someone decides to write about. I've never thought about that until you just said that. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a hell of a question to bring up to him. Well, if we ever get a chance, if anyone has ever had a convention, I Peter David. So. I've spoken to him yeah. for two minutes at cons, and I don't think I've ever actually like gotten to say he's the on the show, but yeah. But we should try right. again. Yeah, we'll add that on to the goal of uh, questions to ask creators if we ever get a chance. Yeah. Now I'm going to stalk him at a convention and find out. Uh, <laughs> mm. That's actually a really good one. I've never even thought about that until you brought it up. Hmm. Uh, so learning from that topic to good news. Uh, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted to talk about on tonight's show it was Otakon. So for folks who don't know Otakon, it is a convention that goes on in Baltimore. It will be moving to D.C. in, I think, 2017. Um, that celebrates everything, anime, manga, otaku, cosplay, all that stuff. It's huge. It's over 100,000 people show up, um, 30,000, 30-something thousand a day. Um, massive, massive convention. Um, so last year, the thing that really stuck out to me was how young everybody was and how uh, very welcoming they were, and we talked about it a little bit on the show. Um, so this year, I went back, and I really don't know anything about manga or anime, uh, so two things stuck out to me. One, uh, it's very clear there was a lot of um, LGBT teens at the show. Um, it was hmm. very apparent. Uh, and they were, you know, you know, accepted. They were just part of the group. Like, you wouldn't even thought about, think about it. Um, so, and the other thing that's that interesting, that was when I was walking down around the floor, um, and I joked that I have only ever seen more um, gay pride flags at a pride rally. Um, huh. They were everywhere on the floor, um, and I don't know if there's uh, what it is about necessarily manga 
or anime that might uh, bring that in. I know there is like that subgenre of like guy on guy, whatever it's called. Um, I know this, I'm so this, bad at the Japanese stuff. Like there's that genre of everything. I don't know the name. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's like Yari or Yuri, something like that. I know it's very popular, and there was actually an entire convention uh, um, dedicated to it that was being advertised at the show. Um, but the other thing that, that stuck out to me was the cosplay aspect. So we know that um, that uh, gender-bending cosplay is really, really popular of women dressing in uh, guys and kind of like uh, covering, you know, just doing the anime characters, uh, women as guys. So this year, the thing mm-hmm. that really stuck out to me was guys dressing as women. And it wasn't like the goofy, like, oh, I'm going to go as Princess Leia type stuff. I mean, it was straight up, I'm wearing a very accurate, solid costume and, and just working it. Like, not, mm. not caring about anything. Like, similar to the women dressing as guys, the guys were right. dressing as women, and they were doing it as groups. They were doing it by themselves. Um, they were doing it as part of like a group of, hey, this this girl's gonna dress as a guy, I'm gonna dress as a girl. Um, it was super prevalent, and I I haven't been to too many shows this year so far, so uh, this is the first time I I really saw it. I mean, it, it shocked me, like it really caught me off guard in a good way. Um, so I mean, overall, like the younger generation, whatever is going to come of them, if it if this is any indication, it's awesome. That's fantastic. I really, really love that. I'm not too surprised. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know that many young people really. Um, you know, the people who I know who have kids have kids that are much younger than that, and I'm too old to be people who are that age myself. But when I observe them on such platforms such as the Tumblers and whatnot, yeah, I'm always really impressed at things like that. They are really astute and I think they have a very different attitude about gender and performance than a lot of people were raised to have and I think a lot of things that we learned as adults or we learned in college or things that they kind of already know. I, did, you, did you take many pictures at the convention? Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. I, I went through and I only have like one or two of like the gender swapped um, guys as girls. But um, it was all it was all over the place. It really amazed me to the point it was even some of them where I had to double like do a double check of whether or not it was a guy or a girl. I couldn't tell. Awesome. Breaking yeah, down and, the and rules. The, especially with the girls doing the guy stuff. I mean, some of the cosplay they do is absolutely amazing, and and you wouldn't have a clue um, without like some subtle tells. But um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it really. I mean, I I don't know like. It really caught me off guard, and like in a good way, where I sit there, I was like, "This is awesome to see." Yeah, it's the future, right? So, what yeah. was it like? Because I know you don't really know Japanese. I mean, you don't know manga that much. I don't really know manga that much either. Um, what did you learn? Like that, you you know, what should we be reading as non-manga readers? Uh, I have no I mean, idea. Honestly, I should be reading Sailor Moon. <laughs> I've talked to Emma enough about it enough that I know I should be reading Sailor Moon. But, well, I, I know Emma has has brought up. Um, I think Pluto is the big one, and I know Attack on Titan is like the huge thing right now. Uh, the place was is stepping in into this convention last year and this year. I got the same feeling. Was this has to be the same feeling where someone that doesn't know comic books going to like a comic book convention, where you're right. just overwhelmed and you're like, I have no idea where to even begin. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, like, what do you do? What, what does a comics fan, what does a Euro comics fan, do, not Euro really, what does a U.S. comics fan do when you show up at um <laughs> anime and manga? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, it was funny, like, I really went and was checking out the cosplay. Like, I walked the floors a bunch of times um, to see what was available. And, I mean, there's there's some cool stuff. But, again, like, I don't know where to begin or what I might like. Um, And there's some manga that I've picked up here and there that I really, really liked. So I was kind of looking for similar things like that. Um, But uh, the thing I was really watching was the cosplay. Like, to me, it was fascinating. Um one, seeing all the kids and what they were dressed as, because half of it I didn't recognize. The other thing was, like, seeing how amazing the cosplay actually was, like, the amount of detail that went into it. And then the final thing that, like, really, really uh, struck out at me was, like, how professional and, um, uh, like, how and serious everyone was taking it. Like, if you went out to one of the... Um, one of the outside places, like, there was full professional photographers, like, with the whole lighting rig set up where they were bringing people out and taking photos of them. Um, there was other sections where they would just have tons of people lined up in, like, a big U-shape, and they would bring in groups of people, and everyone would go snap photos, like it was, like, the Oscars or something like that, just going crazy and snapping tons of photos. I mean, it's amazing. Like, forget the manga and the anime. Like, to me, this show and convention is all about the cosplay. That's cool, yeah. I mean, they, that is where a lot of that started, right? And when I go to Comic-Con in New York, I'm always seeing people wearing just absolutely jaw-droppingly amazing things and they're just characters I've never heard of in my entire life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a very good chunk of them. I never didn't have a clue who they were. Um, but that was the thing. Like, I would go and I would see interesting things and I would snap photos of it. There's a lot of people dressed as um, comic characters. There was, like, a few huntress- huntresses, um, I would think one or two Harley Quinns running around, um, you know, some stuff that I recognize. And then there was there were some great things. Like there was a, a young girl who couldn't have been older than like seven or eight that was uh, one of the characters from Mega Man, and I'm totally blanking out which one. But the costume was absolutely amazing. Like I stopped her and had to take a photo. Um, and she was getting stopped all the time. And you could tell she was like, slightly irritated but slightly proud of it too that she was being stopped like that. Uh, uh, and and well, then her parents her parents were like clearly her mom was standing by her and I was like, it's absolutely fantastic. Her mom's like, Yeah, we're really uh-huh. proud of her. She did it all herself. Um so to to like see that was it was cool. It was really, really cool to see. Um and then I just some of the work out there, like Frozen was huge. There were so many, I guess Elsa is the main character. I think that's yeah. the main character Frozen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I quit. You know, there's too many to count. Basically, that seems to be like the hot cosplay. That's cool. I mean, I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing what folks are. Actually, I actually really hope I get my press pass. But yeah, I mean, New York will be interesting. That's the that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Of this is you know because hopefully you'll be going to New York. Like, I want to see if you see the same thing and see this, like, gender swap the other way. Because first convention that I've been to, this major convention I've been to this year, that I've seen this. 
Um, so it, it totally caught me off guard in a good way. Hmm. So that's right. Give out those press passes because people like us will go and learn things and spread the word about your project. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully next year I'll have more of a more of an idea and a better uh, clue as to what to cover. Because yeah, I really don't know anything about manga or anime. Yeah, and I'd like to. Yeah, it it seems like it would be uh, very up our alley, and we'd have even more than just us. Whether or not that's good or bad, I don't know. It's a huge genre. Like they have, there's something, there's something of everything, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so I found like some political stuff that I really really liked. Um, uh, one series that came out years ago called First President of Japan. It was like, what if? Um, Japan actually elected their president, and uh, North Korea decided to uh, start acting up, and China acted up, and all that. Um, so it was very, uh, very good political book, and it was actually written by a professor of John Ho- at John Hopkins. Mm. So like that, I loved, um, and I haven't really found anything that's quite similar to that. But like that's. If that exists, there's something for everyone when it comes to manga and comics in general. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty specific. I do want to read Letter 44, and I have not had the chance to do that. Um, yes, yes. I've uh, I sent you uh, a good chunk of reading material. <laughs> That's on my list. I um, tried to do a bit of catching up. I've been behind reading. You know, one thing that I did... I read kind of on a lark, I guess, because they're easy to download when you sent them to me, and I think I was drying my hair. Um, I read the my first two issues of comics by uh, Zenoscope Publisher. Yes. What did you think of that? One of them, uh, the first one that I read was was the Godstorm. Was it Godstorm? Where they had all the yep. Greek gods coming back. Um, that is, it's like now I guess it's an ongoing series. And I, I knew the concept of, um, you know, just being like a, quote, grown-up, unquote, retelling of the fairy tales, and then they decided to bring Greek Roman mythology into it. And so I read the first issue. It's um, really mediocre, but I expected worse, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I kind of thought it would be, like, the worst thing ever, and it's just sort of, like, bad in all the normal ways. I don't know. It's not worse than anything else. Um, I didn't really like how they characterize. I mean, this is a creative choice. I didn't really like the way they some, the way some of the, the goddesses. I mean, I've been a huge mythology geek since I was a small kid. My parents got me years book of Greek myths and we read it a great deal. Uh, their conceptualization of some of the Greek gods not how I would have aligned their personalities really and not how I would have styled them and I don't really think that like I don't know like Aphrodite is like running Victoria's Secret is a little bit like shallow interpretation. It's an but, easy interpretation. Yeah, yeah. And It's unclear what their goals are, and the art was pretty trashy. But so was a lot of comics art. But then, meanwhile, I read their new um, first issue of their new Robin Hood 
uh, comic, which is by, because it's positive, I'd like to give the person name. Um, oh, here we go. Here's the announcement. Oh, no, I think this comic had been around, but maybe this is like a new... Anyway, it began as a mini-series a while back, and now it's its own book. Well, I apologize. I'm not... Didn't do my homework, and I forgot forgetting to tell you who the, art, who the writer and artist are. But um, I wasn't crazy about it, but it was actually okay. Um, one of the interesting things is that it has, it has a scene where a female character, a traditionally attractive female character, changes clothing, excessive, and it isn't sexualized. Like, it would have been the easiest thing in the world for it to be like, oh, she's changing out of her um, sexy costume and she's going to put on her T-shirt and we're going to use this as an excuse to, like, you know, show her naked back or whatever and, like, half of her breast because she's turning it around it's an impossible configuration. They didn't do it. <laughs> she changes clothes on camera in a non-sexualized and believable way. That should be, like, an Emmy Award for that in comics, but that never happens. Um <laughs> You know, the female characters seem like grown adults. The conversations, you know, they have their own personalities. Um, it was just, it was fine. You know, I don't think I'm, I shouldn't say, I don't think, I know I'm not going to become a regular reader of it, but I certainly wouldn't belittle it or mock it, you know. And I've always had a really low, frankly, low opinion of Ben looking at their art. It, like, looks pretty trashy and um, cheap. Um, but yeah, there was nothing wrong with the comic, you know, not my thing, but nothing wrong with yeah, them Yeah, and that's kind of my experience with them. Like, I always, from the, the little I've read of their stuff, um, and it's not tons, but there's a couple series that I've really liked that they've done. Hmm. Um, and then there's some other stuff that I've read that I've kind of, like, rolled my eyes and be like, this is complete garbage. Uh, I always found that their covers are way more tantalizing than what's really inside, um, and that you go in expecting way worse, and it's really like just a mediocre comic. Like some, you know, some of them are, are trashy and, and kind of go that uh, bombshell sort of route. But for the most of them that I've read, it's all been like, wait, I, I expected a lot worse. I don't know what this says about me that I expected a lot worse, and I'm walking away being like, hey. Eh. Just, you know, it's a mediocre comic. But, yeah, it's kind of been my experience with them, too. Um, Maybe they found, like, a secret to getting people to read mediocre comics. It's, like, super cheesy, sexualized covers. They do well. And, you know, what? it's funny is, like, that every interview, uh, they get called out in it. And they just kind of own it up. And they're like, listen, our fans like this. And this is what is selling for us. So, like... You know, it, it works for us, and I'm, you know, we we understand that it's kind of over the top and sexualized and all that stuff. But you know, it's kind of what our yeah, fans my want. Problem, my complaint isn't that it's sexualized, although I think it'd be monotone. It's that it's like not sexualized in any kind of a way that I find compelling. It's pretty trashy <laughs> as opposed to like something that I would look at in a positive, positive, like sexualized piece of art. You know, but. I, I use that in their version of it. However you want to call yeah. their unrealistic weirdness proportions. Um, but they just kind of own it. Like, that's, that's their thing, and it works for them. And, 
it's I've always found it interesting is like what was inside the book is never quite what I expected on the outside. Mm. Um, so and and they actually have some decent stuff. I mean, they did there was a series that was um, two volumes called The Fly, which was all about addiction, drug addiction. Um, and the writer was was telling it from like per, his own personal experiences with addiction. So. Oh, wow. It was it was much better than it was good. Like I actually like it wasn't knock it out of the park. Like oh my god, this is amazing stuff. But I I liked it. Like I I liked it enough that I would recommend it to folks. Um, and there was another one called I think Hit List, which had an interesting concept. I never, I only read a couple issues of it. That was about um, it was like a team of assassins who were taking on neo-Nazis who were um, uh, uh, doing, like, white slavery, if I remember right, like kidnapping girls and selling them and stuff like that. So they were going uh-huh. and killing the bad guys and freeing the girls. So in the end, like, the message wasn't, was decent. Like, it actually had a good thing of being like, hey, the slavery and all this stuff is bad. And um, there was a little, yeah, I mean, there was a little bit a com- more to you it. Need, but, you don't need a comic to tell you that. That's like... The most I one, know, but one is too morality, you know. It was it was one of those that it took on it it was a, it took on a real world issue a little bit more than other comics have done. Mm. Um, it was an overtop way, but like clearly, like this was the focus of this, and this is what they wanted to talk about. So um, I'm not gonna knock that. Like it was, it was a positive thing in a really roundabout way. Um, it didn't it didn't turn it into like a fantasy. Thing. It was straight up like, oh, these guys are kidnapping and selling women. This is a horrible thing. They're clearly the bad guys. We're going to just go kill them and do horrible things to the bad guys type of stuff. Um, and I only read, I think, the first two or three issues. It was, I mean, it was good. Like, it wasn't great. It wasn't didn't blow me away. But, it, you know, again, I went in with very low expectations, and I came out with medium results. <laughs> <laughs> But maybe that's their thing. If we set the bar low enough and the expectations low enough, people will think highly. Yes. <laughs> In other words, they are genius marketers. Where do they come from? I have no idea. I mean, um, I, I don't even remember. I mean, they, they, I don't even remember how I got connected with them. Um, they weren't around when I think when I was working in stores, but that was, you know, a decade ago. Um, so clearly in the years that I was not reading and kind of away from comics, they somewhere sprung up. Um, I know offhand from anecdotally, I've been told like a good chunk of their fan base is female, um, which I've always thought was, was very interesting. Um, I mean, there must be some subset of women who, like, are actually turned on by that particular kind of cheesy thing. Like, that's just their thing, you know. And, you know, more power to them. But I'm, Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> more power to you, I'm surprised. But more power to you. I mean, a lot of those series do deal, like, do have female leads and deal with yeah, female characters, of, I mean, so... Well, that's how they can draw so many boobs, just by having lots of females in the lead positions. <laughs> Variety for them is uh, do they have E cups or F cups or D cups? I'm gonna go with Q Q cups. <laughs> but 
Um, but yeah, I think that, that that actually is one of the reasons why you have so many female leads because you use that as a reason to draw ladies in bikinis. You know what it actually reminds me of? Their books really remind me of like the not in the intelligent way that these movies were, but like the Ro- Roger Corman like D list films. Hmm. I do like that Roger w- Corman D list films. Yeah, I'm not like not in that good way, but like that sort of my, same mindset in a way of like, hey, we're gonna throw in like these women in the in the you know we're gonna put women in a prison type stories like that type of thing. Right, right, right. Um, and it worked. Like those movies really, really worked. I mean, Car- Car- um, Roger Corman was a genius on so many levels, um, and kind of spun out modern Hollywood from just the people that worked with him. But it, it almost kind of like this is the same sort of mindset behind all that. Like, we're going to really do this D-list sort of over-the-top series and yeah. like, extreme everything. Yeah. But I'm not a Xenoscope cover that you're going to be like, ooh. I mean, I guess it's going to be like, ooh. <laughs> um, you know, kind of lose your appetite. But anyway. Yeah. They definitely have a niche. Yes. But it is interesting that they have a lot of female fans. I mean, I know that they have like some comic base that they they kickstarted to uh, have an animated show, I believe. Yeah, so they did do that. Um, I've never, I have never seen it. Um, their big thing is Grim Fairy Tales, which is their spin on Red Riding Hood and all that stuff. Um, and they did an animated series based off of that that was kickstarted and successfully kickstarted, and I know they showed off at conventions. Um, I've never seen it, so I, I have no idea if it's any good. I would actually be kind of fascinated to see what the completed product's like. But, um, you know, clearly if they're able to get that going, then they've got to have a fan base somewhere. Because it wasn't a small chunk of change that they, they raised. Hmm. I'm tweeting this cover, and you're going to be like, oh. <laughs> What else did we want to cover today? I'm um, actually definitely want to get in some more time to catch up on some books. Uh, I'm slowly catching up on on um, Tomb Raider. Actually, are you still reading that? Uh, I've read a couple stories, but not a ton. Um, I am. I'm going to get caught on Tomb Raider because it is still really. It is still really good. It's the only book by her I'm reading right now, actually. Um, I'm catching up on my Lumberjanes as well. Yeah. So what do you think of Lumberjanes? I'm behind. But I still really like it. Um, I adore that somebody actually exclaimed, what in the Phyllis Wheatley, where in the Phyllis Wheatley were you? Um, being an African-American poet. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who went to Google and had, did not know that name before. I think that we should also use that as an expression. Where in the Phyllis Wheelie were you? Um, I want to get a kid to read it and want to see what a kid thinks. I'm going to... Maybe I can give this to my boss, but like, one of her kids should read it, and then I can get a review from a child, from my grade school child, because I'm curious what they would think. But I, I think it's really charming and sweet and lovely. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what a kid read. I mean, the, so the good is, the, 
every convention I've gone to that I've seen one of the creators there, they they get people from all ages, um, all genders at their table talking about that series. So it's it's um, it's liked well over. Like it uh, has clearly gone across uh, demographics when it comes to that. Hmm. It'll be interesting. I, I know you're going to read um, Letter 44, and um, the other two I sent was uh, The Bunker and e- Evil Empire. So we'll definitely have to have a, a conversation about those. I think you're going to um, um, uh, you'll definitely it'll be interesting to see what what you have to say. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. What are the other books you're reading right now that I need to go and check out before we close today? Um, so those are ones I like definitely recommend. I mean to to me the bunker is the best comic out on the market. Um I I think it's absolutely amazing. Uh Evil Empire is a is a political geek. I think you you would enjoy it. Um and Letter Forty Four for the same reason. Other than that, like I'm trying to think of things that are really kind of I've really liked. Um, I mean, well, so you're a Jack Kirby fan, so you're probably like this. So Dynamite I am. is, yeah. So Dynamite is relaunching Captain Victory. Hmm. Which was an old, you know, old Kirby yeah, creation. Yeah. And I've only read some of the earlier Dynamite stuff that I didn't like, but this latest one's Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers. The first issue came out last week. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Oh, cool. Um, so that one I'd recommend. Other than that, like, there's not, it's funny. It, like, it, it's the stuff that we've discussed before that I've really liked is the stuff that I've been sticking with. So She-Hulk, uh, Ms. Marvel, um, you know, Black Widow, Electra, all that stuff is, is, I think, the things that I really, really have enjoyed every issue that they've come out. Um... I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff, like the things that I like really jump into that I like whenever they're released. And then the, pretty much the, the ones that we've discussed, like I, I, I just looking forward to seeing what you have to say on Letter 44 and Evil Empire and Bunker. I brought it up a few times, so it'll be fascinating to see what you actually have to say once you write them. Hopefully I haven't cool. hyped them up too much. Yeah, no, I'm excited. And thanks to the publishers for giving us review copies. It really makes it a lot easier for us to then give feedback and, like, get other people reading the books. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, and Letter 44 is a book that I I knew about when it was still in, like, designing stages. So to see it out and where it's going is kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I, you know, I think that kind of that wraps up everything that we wanted to discuss. Yep. Yes, it does. Okay. Uh, so we are going to be back next week with uh, guest Jeremy Whitley, who's on, been on before uh, discussing his series Christmas, but now he's got a Kickstarter uh, called Illegal that we're going to discuss that is about um, an undocumented in, uh, immigrant. Um, fascinating, uh-huh. fascinating series. Um, I've already chipped in my 20 bucks for the Kickstarter because um, I want to see it done and published. Um, but other than that, you can catch us every single day at graphicpolicy.com. We're located, or always, 
at um, Graphic Policy on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, etc. So you can catch us every single day. Um, and until next week, I'm Brett. And I'm Yolanda. Have a geeky week.